Hello world, welcome back to the Flores and Friends podcast. I'm your host, John Flores, and once again, I'm recording this intro by myself. This is part two of episode 47, America For Us. If you haven't listened to part one yet, I highly recommend you stop this and listen to it because it's, in my personal opinion, two hours of fun and insightful chat with several wonderful and interesting people. On this installment, just like part one, I will be asking each of my guests the same open-ended questions about America. Again, the 2018 midterms are right around the corner, and if you didn't get sick of me pushing this in part one, I guarantee you, you'll get sick of me pushing it in part two. Everyone needs to do all they can to get out there and vote the first week of November on election day. Registration is probably finished by the time this episode is released, but it might not be. Do your homework, do your research, you know, get registered to vote. And of course, if you can't make it the first week of November when Election Day is across the country, look into early voting. It's usually the second to last of the last week of October. Now that that's out the way, let's get the show rolling. We have a great lineup on this part two, and we have a lot to tackle, and I'm really excited about it, and I hope you are too. Just up top, I want to give a special thanks to each of my guests for taking time and being so supportive of this probably pointless hobby of mine. I mean, you know, we all have our things. Anyway... And I also want to thank the listeners. Thank you for listening. It really means a lot, and I really hope you get something out of it. I can guarantee you I certainly did. I'll be back at the end of the episode to wrap everything up and kind of give my final thoughts. With nothing further ado, let's get to my first guest, and we hope you enjoy. Okay, guys, I'm back now with uh, my good friend Michael Ramsey, a.k.a. Fish. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm good. Uh, uh, you having a good Saturday morning? Yeah, I mean, it's been a long week, so I'm just hanging in there right now. Well, you live in D.C., so I I think my audience will, I think the people listening will understand why it's been a long week, considering all the hubbub that's been going on out there. So uh, everything's good with you, man. How's the blog going? Like, how you still going at it or what? The blog's good. I'm still going at it. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you have to find time to do it, because I think that's that's been the challenge, but... Yeah, I feel um, like... Yeah, it's still going. Thank you for being a guest contributor. That was great. That was a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to collaborate on that. That was a, I haven't written anything like that in a while, and it I, I think it showed when I sent you my first draft. <laughs> but uh, I do yeah, appreciate well, it, man. I appreciate the, the opportunity. Final, oh, yeah. I think the final result came out great, so I was very happy with it. Yeah, just for the audience again, you want to plug the, uh, the website again if anybody wants to check them out? Sure. Uh, my blog is called Talking Picks. Um, I think it's uh, a Wix site. Yeah. So it's talking. It's Wix dot com slash talking picks. I think something along that lines. But yeah. yeah. Um, it's a it's a blog where I talk about TV and movies from a um, cultural perspective, um, taking into account race, gender, LGBT issues, that kind of thing. Cool. So yeah, and it's a great read. I've read pretty much all the articles and. Uh, including the one I wrote, and it was a lot of fun. And there's tons of blogs out there, but I this one gets my personal seal of, like, recommendation. So. Awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah, well. Anyway, so let's get to these questions. I'm glad you wanted to do this, man. I'm really happy I've had a lot of people on so far, and I'm really happy that everybody really wants to talk about it. And I think it is important leading up to the midterms that we – I just want to know – like, I'm asking everyone who – everyone – we're all voters. Like, we're all voters. So I want to know leading up to these midterms, like – America, right? Like, what are we doing? So, okay, let's get to the first question. 
what is America for you personally, as you understand it from a historical or cultural perspective, and how do you feel about it? Um, that's a really good question, and I realize that when you um, when you asked me to like come talk about this, that I had been thinking about this for a while. Okay. Um, and for me, the thing that's always popped up um, when I think about America is hubris. Um, hmm. America has a stunning lack of humility. Um, and I think particularly white America, um, their view, the, the narrative that's been built up around America, this idea of America, um, is just astonishingly lacking in humility. Um, when you hear people talk about America, what America means to them, um, it's always this kind of um, manifest destiny, and America is the greatest country in the history of the world. American and exceptionalism, yeah. American exceptionalism, no apologies. America never apologizes for anything, and we're a beacon of hope to the rest of the world, and blah blah blah. And I think for a lot of people, when they when they look at American history, um, particularly um, sections of white America, I think they see this kind of. George Washington chopping down the cherry tree and, you know, the pilgrims escaping, you know, persecution in Europe and... A very um, uh, slanted history, a very yeah, slanted telling. Yeah, exactly. This is very kind of washed, watered down. Um, yeah. Yeah, very happy, uh, uh, exceptional version of America. And I think for everyone else, when they look back through American history, um... It's colored by mass genocide and slavery and mm-hmm. oppression and violence and segregation and um, really, really cutting a lot of people out of the American dream intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and that dark side of America is what allowed that um, positive version of America to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't have can't have manifest destiny without you know um taking lands from native americans and yeah conquering right exactly and and forcing them to relocate you can't have um the american economy as we know it without slavery and the slave trade and what that meant to the to the you know pre-civil war economy um you can't have the american empire without you know um aggressive wars against you know the Spanish-American War where now all of a sudden America has these colonies um, which we see right now with Puerto Rico we see the ramifications of that you know those actions still playing out right now so mm-hmm. um, yeah for me when I, when I see people talk about American exceptionalism America has yet to reckon with um, all these other these, these darker th- things that are right below the surface that are just as American as you know baseball and apple pie right (laughs) exactly exactly I mean racism is just as American as as all those other things so so would you say that uh there's you I think you're taught you're 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 kind of saying that a lot of it is marketing and propaganda like we have a great press department basically yeah no I think that's exactly right I think you know um it's all about narrative. Like I work in communications. It's all about narrative. It's all about telling a story, right? Yeah. Putting your best foot forward. And, and that's what America's always been about. It's always, there's always been wordsmiths in American history. Um, 
what was slavery was called the peculiar institution, right? Instead of just calling it what it is. Um, or this lost cause narrative uh, following the Civil War where um, suddenly it's no longer the Civil War, it's the, you know, war between the states or it's the war of northern aggression, right? It's, we've always, like, um, tried to create this narrative that sweeps under the rug all this really, really horrible, horrible stuff. Um, yeah. When you think about the, like, kneeling, the, this new issue that's cropped up, kneeling for the flag and how unpatriotic it is. But you've got to remember that, you know, the flag, the American flag, was um, waving over plantations where, you know, millions of people were, were held in bondage. Or yeah. um, the American flag was waving when the American military was clashing with Native American tribes and, and like decimating their lands and all this other stuff. So, if, if I may interject, I was uh, I remember very recently I, I I was walking around downtown, just you know taking in the sights, just being a tourist in my own town, and I walked to the Texas State Capitol. And I don't know if you've ever seen the Texas State Capitol, but it's a really it's a really impressive building. And I was just sitting there, you know, on a bench, just taking it all in. Like, man, they really this is a really nice part of town. This is a really they really keep it up. And I'm like. I like this. This is nice. And then I was like, okay, time to go back to my car. So I started walking. And there, of course, I saw a Confederate statue. Like, I'm like, man, fuck. And just when I'm like, man, this is a really, you know what, Texas, you got something going on. And I see a Confederate statue. I'm like, man, fuck Texas sometimes, dude. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. Well, it's like when it's when it's the good things, it's like, oh, American, that's our heritage, you know. That's mm-hmm. like, oh, we should be so proud of the founding fathers and all this. It's the not so pretty stuff. It's like, oh well, you know, we should. I would, you know, we should get over it and all this. So, um, what's surprising to me is how many states that aren't weren't Confederate states that have Confederate monuments. Yeah, like, dude. Why does Iowa have Confederate? That, that's so. That's like crazy to me. Let me ask you: Do you believe in the? Do you do you buy into the American dream? Do you think it's possible, or do you think it's a fabrication? Wow, that's a that, that's a heavy one. Um, <laughs> we don't pull punches on the Flores and Friends podcast. <laughs> um, uh, do I believe in the American dream? I, you know, what's the American dream? Is that like the white picket fence in the suburb? You know, when you, when you say American dream, uh, if my, if you're asking my detail, it's that it's all about willpower. I really believe that the American dream is. If you come to this country and you're willing to work and sacrifice, everyone forgets the sacrificing pit. But if you're willing to work and sacrifice and be sheer will through your sheer sheer willpower and, you know, just it's not you don't have to be the most talented, you just have to be the most determined and you can eventually get you you can hopefully eventually get to where you want to be and which is a better status in life or die trying. That's my definition of the American dream. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, you know, I think I think on a like a micro scale, like individually, yes, I think I think you can. I think if you have that willpower, you have that determination. Some people are just built. Some people are just driven. Yes, yeah. it's in their DNA. Like they're gonna succeed. Yeah. Um, if you're talking about on a on a wider scale in terms of groups, I think that there are systemic barriers for groups of people to achieve that American dream, right? Okay. I think that there are certain people who don't have the educational advantage, they don't have the um, economic opportunities, they just don't have the same opportunities that other people have. Yeah. And that, that barrier is always going to stop um, large groups who have a 
historically been kind of left out of quote unquote the American dream mm-hmm. from 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 achieving it. Now, is there going to be an Oprah? Yes. Um, is it possible to become the next Steve Jobs individually? Yes, I do believe that. Um, but you know, when we when we see Black Americans have the lowest um, economic status in you know of all groups in America, yeah, um, it's going to take a lot more to um, bring up you know an entire group of people. Uh, and I think I think you really have to. I think there's systemic issues yeah. stopping that. Um, what do you think? Do you, uh, I mean, yeah, how do you, uh, you know, it's funny. I had Dalvin on last night. Shout out to Dalvin. Uh, we uh, we were talking about the American dream, and I was like, the person who personifies the American dream for me, the one that leaps to mind immediately, is LeBron James. Like, if you hear, like, if people aren't aware, LeBron James pretty much was like his mother was like they were almost dirt poor. He was sleeping on couches, like they were moving around as a kid, and just because of his talent. And his intelligence and his sheer willpower to, I mean, is LeBron James the most talented basketball player? That's a whole other conversation. But he's one of the most talented basketball players to ever pick up a basketball. And I'm sure there were people who probably were just as talented or more talented than LeBron James. But they did not have his willpower. They did not have his determination. And they did not have his focus to achieve his dream. And I think he's achieved his dream. He came from nothing and now he's worth billions of dollars. And I believe in it, but... What I, what I, what everyone, again, I, I kind of tip my hand on this. Like everybody wants to talk about, you know, if you pull your, pull up your bootstraps and you really try and get it, you'll eventually, you'll eventually get to where you're going. Well, it's not that simple. I think it's an oversimplification as far as like everybody wants to talk about like if you work, work, work. What they don't talk about is what you have to sacrifice when you're doing that. Like yeah. in order to get sometimes where you want to go, you have to sacrifice your social life. You have to sacrifice. Your health sometimes you have to sacrifice, uh, you know, family. Like it, 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 the American dream. I think it's it's open ended. Like whatever your dream is, you can find it. But if your dream is like upward mobility or great wealth, sometimes you only have so much time on this planet and only so many waking hours. You can only do so much in a day. You're gonna have to sacrifice, and a lot of people don't like to think about that. And I'm not, I'm not, you know. The, and I also feel like the American dream has been used against a lot of the impoverished and the disenfranchised yeah. that like, oh, well, if they want improvement in their lives, they're not work. If they they must if they're poor, they must it must be because they're not trying. It's like, well, no, that's not necessarily it. It's just it's, you know, it's privilege and they're starting at a different they're disadvantaged and shit like that. So it's it in a vacuum. I believe in the American dream like on paper. Yeah, I get it. It's a great hook to get people to want to come here and people are still coming here by the millions. I don't know, man. I, I believe in it. I do. But it's also like a fairy tale. Like, yeah, fairy tales can be true and miracles can happen, but it's not always as simple as people think it is. And it's never as easy as people think it's going to be. So, yeah, yeah, that's a great point. I'm, I, I'm, I've been watching, I've been rewatching Batman. Um, yeah. Which is a great show. And that's exactly right. Like, Don Draper has that American dream, right? He literally pulled himself up from his bootstraps he was born on like a farm super poor yeah now he's like well he has wealth he has the you know house in the suburbs the apartment in manhattan you know he's like achieved more than anybody you know could have ever imagined for him but like his life is shallow and like he yeah he he puts work over his family and you know so i don't know that yeah, the American dream isn't a facade. I think that's the that's the question, right? Is that the most important thing? Like, a, like mm-hmm. 
pulling yourself up from your bootstraps and, and, and you know, working hard. Like, is that is that the most important thing to live in a life? I don't know. But I guess that's what the, the beauty of the country may be is that we have the freedom to determine is that the best thing for our lives and stuff like that. I don't know. That I – it's – it's complicated, right? It's new. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, uh look, yeah. can I go back to that LeBron? That yeah, LeBron absolutely, thing? absolutely. Um, yeah. So I, I want to make two points on that one. The first point is that while LeBron is very talented, I think that especially within the black community, like that's that that can't be our only pathway, right? Like, yeah. Either you're you want to be a rapper, or you want to be a football player, or a basketball sports star. or entertainment. And, yeah. Right, and it's like we need. I mean. Kudos for LeBron. LeBron is, to me, I, what, I, what I respect so much about LeBron, especially as a black leader, is that he's putting his money where his mouth is, right? Absolutely. He's, he's building the school. He's doing all these great things. And I want to see other people with his, with the power and the wealth and the stature he has doing similar things. And you don't see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think we have to empower people to know that, like, there are other options just being uh, like everybody can't be LeBron James yeah Everybody's absolutely James. The, the other point I make is that even when you've achieved everything even when you've gotten quote unquote the American dream and you're a badass you're balling yeah and I'm, I'm talking specifically about Serena Williams yeah you're still you're <laughs> still you can't escape the, the the confines of like racism and misogyny in America yeah. Wide, even like even when Serena goes to France, it's like there's always an issue. There's always an issue. There's always something. She is like the greatest, most domineering athlete like in history. Probably, she's probably more than any male athlete as well. Yeah, I mean, I like there's no one even that, and especially in the tennis world, that even like comes close to matching what she's done. Yeah, and yet. Every time she, there's always these conversations about, you know, she doesn't get paid as much as she should, all this, all that. So, I don't know. I don't know, like, how do you, how do you bridge that gap? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything in the, I guess in my definition of the American dream that says that, yeah, you'll get it, but people still will hate you no matter what. So, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I don't think, it's all about, it's, it all comes down to the individual and it all comes down to what is the dream? Is your dream to be universally beloved? Oh, uh, that's okay. Sure. That seems kind of superficial, but sure. But like, I think that's the, like I said, it's the freedom to choose what the dream is, I think is, is the important aspect. True. True. But when you look at someone like Steve Jobs, who yeah. was arguably a horrible person, but people love him, <laughs> love him. He changed the world, right? Yeah. So... Are you ready to move on to the next question? I, I think this is the, another great. This is going to be another great chat here. Uh, okay, so we've talked about it. I think we we touched on it a little bit. Okay, do you think or feel America it's operating according to your understanding uh, as it should be, or could it be better, or could it be worse? I think that it is certainly not operating as anywhere close to where it could be operating. Right. Okay. I think we saw going back to like looking at it from a historical perspective I was reading Ta-Nehisi Coates' book um, We Were Eight Years in Power and like the way he explained it uh, made so much sense to me like there are these moments in time where America really was on the cusp of like being great Um, right after the Civil War like during Reconstruction um, you had all these like um, 
newly freed slaves for the first time could vote, were running for office. Um, I think the first black governor ever was in Louisiana, like in the 1870s, you know. Um, and it looked like we were on the verge of like really, really making really great strides. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once Reconstruction over, it snapped back. And so you had this kind of reactionary period where um, segregation was established, Jim Crow was established, and we lost a lot of the gains um, we're making. So I think we, like, if you look at that time period, that was a time where, hey, America looked like it was functioning the way it could have been functioning. Um, And I think in our time, you saw that with Obama. Like, I was just thinking about that recently when I remember we were in high school when Obama was running for, for president the first time, and it was like, there was this idealism and there was this sense that like, yeah. okay, this is what America could be. Yeah. Um, so I think we've already seen the potential for what America could be. And I think what you're seeing right now with this Trump thing and this Kavanaugh thing is like the backlash. Like this is, this is America um, at its worst uh, right now. So, well, let me ask you this. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but, do you think that the digression or the regression uh, that you just discussed, you know, in the 1800s and currently, do you think that's a, a failure of uh, America the way it's built as far as our constitution, or do you think it's a failure on the people? Um, I don't know that you can separate the two. Well, that's a great. Um, that's a great point. I don't know that you can separate the two, but I, I definitely think I'm going to put more of the onus on the people, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that it's hard. Change is hard. Um, people are tribal, and so yeah, I just honest to God, truth, man. It's so true, and and even even after the civil rights movement, you saw um, the civil rights movement looked like this this era where okay, we're finally going to fix some of this stuff, and then it was followed by Richard Nixon and the Southern strategy and the Reagan you know, the Reagan years in the eighties and Reagan shit. years and the welfare bombs and all that. So there's always it's cyclical and there's always this backlash. I think it's I think it's driven by the people. I'm when I see the this the people who support Trump, it is like it, it's mind boggling to me. <laughs> it's like I don't know. I don't know how to trust polls anymore, especially after the 16 election. But like, they're they'll say like his approval rating is or his disapproval rating is like 50 or close to 60 percent, and his approval rating is like in the 30s. I'm like, so you, a third of people still still support this man? Like, I'm just like, yeah. and I don't want to. I don't want to like. I don't want to go to a Trump bashing, but it's still like, it's just there are some people in this country. No matter what, no matter what happens. Will always be like, nah, fuck you. It's like, dude, what? Like, yeah, yeah. I, like, how much of the Republican Party right now is not built on ideas, but built on spite? Yeah. It's like, okay, we're just gonna own the libs. Like, we're here to. Like, I don't care what anybody did. Um, if liberals hate it, I'm for it. And it's like that's not a that's no way to run a run a country. Yeah, it's uh. I would I would say this of both parties, no matter what happens in the midterms coming up. Uh, and again, I want to stress: you have no excuse to not vote. Everybody should be out voting. Register to vote. Get out there. Vote. 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 Uh, I really think our country should be guided on assembling and progressing and constructing instead of disassembling and re- like re undoing and stuff like that. Like that's not progress, man. That's just like overhaul. And it's like. 
that's not growing. That's not growing. Like you can I understand that liberals and the left have, you know, undid you know, undone a lot of things, mistakes of the past, but I always felt like it was moving forward, but it always feels like conservatism in my opinion, and I am biased because I am a I'm a liberal. Uh it always feels like the conservative mindset is regression. And obviously it's in the name cons- conservation like like keep things the way they are. It's like yeah, but man, we we always could be growing. We always could be moving forward. I never understood that that mindset. Well, make America great again, right? Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, like let's go back. Like black people, one thing you don't learn about black people, we ain't going back. Like, no, like, nope, nope, nope. Don't ask us time travel questions. <laughs> no, we're not going back. We're well, not going back. Well, let me ask you this: a hypothetical, right? Like someone comes to your feet, like Mike, we want to fix America. What's like the first thing you were, where, I mean, you, you don't have to give a whole plan, but like, where would be your first thing you would tackle? Like, where would you start? Hmm. I know it's a big, even just thinking of where you would begin is a tough question. I know. So like wave a magic wand or what? Like, well, like <laughs> someone's like, Hey man, unilateral control. Go. Wow. Um, that's a really good question. I would, um, reparations, like, I'm giving everybody, I'm giving anybody whose, like, lineage is that of, of, that came from slavery, like, a million dollars. Overnight, like, you would, it would, <laughs> you would raise millions of people out of poverty overnight. Yeah. And, like, it would, it would be beneficial, I think, to the entire system, like, mm-hmm. the economic system, everything, like. And it's 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 money that we deserve and that's owed to us anyway. Reparations. I want my check. I want all my people to have their check. We get that check. Yeah, I do think that they're like even me, and this is gonna come off as like Marxist like very like, you know uh I do think there needs to be wealth. I would hear an argument for wealth di- redistribution because like there is a hoarding of wealth in this country and that I think oh, is yeah. the key I I personally think the uh, disparity between the haves and the have-nots it needs to be more uh, there needs to be more equity and more equality as far as like yo we don't we have like the most number of billionaires in the world that live in America that's a that no 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 we need right. to tax them more that would be my first stop is like fucking tax the rich out their ass. I don't give a shit if you're complaining about, well, before I was worth $8 billion and now I'm only worth like $3 billion. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Take their money. And that's just yeah. my – I can imagine all my listeners that are conservative and like – I do have conservative listeners. They're just rolling their eyes and calling me like a damn lefty and like a Marxist, a Marxist yeah. and stuff like that. And I cop to it because like I really believe that's like – that is what's holding us back is like how do you get people to do what you want? You either put a gun in their head or you put money in their back pocket, and a lot of rich people have tons of money to put in back pockets, and they get what they want. So that equals – so that institutionalizes the inequality. That's just me. That's just me. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think when you look at like – America's the most productive, has the most productive workers, and like our GDP has grown over the last 30 years, but like wages haven't. Yeah. So you can't even, – even if you're – an uber capitalist like you have to understand that at some point it, the inequity and the inequality is going to like reach a tipping point yeah the uh, bottom's going to drop out yeah it's not sustainable like you have to redistribute well I, I think i don't think that's something we should be running from i think that's something we should be running towards like yes we need a radical re 
distribution of like the entire system needs to be re- rethought of. Yeah, I think you're right. But yeah, I mean, we can dream, right, Mike? Uh, we got close. I, I, you know, <laughs> the thing about Bernie Sanders is like, I didn't vote in the primary. Womp womp. Don't, yeah. don't email me. Um, because like I, I have an issue with I had an issue with both those candidates. Yeah. Um, but I'm not one of these. I'm not going to shoot myself in the foot. I voted for Hillary. I voted for Hillary. Like, of course, I voted for Hillary. I would have voted for Bernie if he'd have got there. But I think Bernie did recognize more than she did. Like, he has he has blind spots on race that bother me. Yeah. But um, he realized that like we have to do something like radical. I think. In terms of redistributing wealth, like yes, free college for everybody, healthcare for everybody, we need to get it done. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, so it could happen. It could happen. Let's well, in uh, in you know, twenty twenty eight or twenty uh, <laughs> or twenty thirty two, if you run, you got my vote, Mike. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> and you know, a cabinet position, if you throw it my way, I wouldn't, but I would at least hear you out. <laughs> gotcha. No, I'll keep you in mind. All right, uh, that's going to do it for us right now. Uh, thank you, Mike. I really do appreciate you taking time out of your weekend to chat with me about, you know. Of course. Yeah. I know your, I know your game, and I appreciate it nonetheless. Uh, awesome. Thanks I, for having me. No, no, always, man. It's my pleasure. Uh, and I guess we're going to move on to the next guest, and thank you, Mike, again. I guess you have a great rest of your weekend, man. You too. Thanks. Uh, all right, I'll chat with you later. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. Let's uh, let's get situated. Okay. Let's take a sip of tea. Ah, delicious. Okay. All right. <clears throat> All right, guys. I'm back with uh, Stephen Vastola, who I think maintains the crown of most frequent guests. How are you doing this morning, man? I'm all right. I'm all right. Still trying to wake up, but I'm good. <laughs> yeah, it is early on a Sunday, and uh, I again, I appreciate all my guests, and I appreciate. Uh, Stephen taking time out of his weekend to uh, to answer my to be on my silly little pod and answer these stupid little questions. But uh, all right, let's get into the questions. Um, Stevo, uh, okay, what is America for you personally, as you understand it from a historical or cultural perspective, and how do you feel about it? Uh, to me, America is just kind of my unselected home and by that I mean it's just something that I was I was born into um, I appreciate the fact that I was able to be in this country mm-hmm. or be born in this country rather but um, in terms of it having some kind of special meaning or you know it, uh, being like extra patriotic about it or anything I really don't have any of that um, <laughs> you know if, if I could if I could leave the country and get everything that I could here somewhere else I mean that you know, I have I have I have no true loyalties to this country. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, if I could just editorialize right now, that is the most Stephen Vastola answer I think I've ever heard to a question. <laughs> uh, anyway, please continue, sir. I mean, no disrespect, but I was just like, that is, you're so, dude. That's so you. <laughs> Why? It's just that you don't. You don't really buy into a lot of the uh, intangible, abstract, like, obligations of, like, you know, you're you're the ultimate pragmatist, in my opinion. In my opinion, you're like, well, I mean, if I could get, like, like you said, like, if I could get everything that I'm getting here somewhere else in fucking Bolivia or fucking Uzbekistan or something like that, you wouldn't. It, it's all the same to you, man. It's it's all about eh, it's whatever. Pretty much. <laughs> so, 
you know, but I, I guess from more of a historical side, I mean, I, I don't know if you, you know if you wanted to go through the the history of it, but I mean, I, I I'm pretty sure if we all went to school, we all know what you know what America is, what America has done. Yeah. Um. But again, that, that that's just to me personally, it's 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 just the country. That's that's all it is, and I just happen to be born in this one. But like I said, I do appreciate that I'm born in this one as opposed to some really you know poor third world country. Like I always remember that, but at the same time, like I said, I have. I have no real loyalty to this country at all in that sense. Mm-hmm. Not that I am not that I am a communist motherfucker, but like you know, like like, like I said, if, if I could get everything that I have here somewhere else and maybe even better than like why not? Let's let's do that instead. Okay, but uh what do you feel about like if you have an opinion, whether it's a uh, favorable or whether you'd critique it, like you the American dream, right? Like that's a big proponent. That's a big aspect of what America is for a lot of Americans and you know non-Americans. Um, do you buy into the American dream? Do you believe in the American dream? Uh, I don't, and the, the reason why I don't is because I I really don't believe in today's age in this country you can go from having absolutely nothing, and I mean like actually having nothing, like being homeless on the streets. Mm-hmm. I don't believe you can go from that to whatever you consider to be the American dream. If it's, if it's, well, I mean, if it's, if it's something like, Hey, I just have a job that I'm able to live every day. I, I mean, I sure, I guess you could, you could probably swing that, but I just don't believe unless you have some unbelievable luck winning the lottery or something that you can go from, from, from being homeless like that to whatever the American dream goal is. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I don't disagree with you. I just think that the American dream is so incredibly miraculous. Like it is. Like it's not impossible, but practically speaking, it is very much implausible. As far as like, but I guess it is a measure of like. It's a. It's a measure of degrees. Like if you want, if your basic understanding of the American dream is a better situ, I can improve my situation. There are. There are means at my disposal to improve my situation. I mean, that's that's pretty open-ended. Like, you could go from homeless to living in a freaking, you know, shack. Like, there's a like, there's a difference. But, like, uh, or there's an improvement there. But I think the American dream most people consider is, like, you know, home ownership. A really nice home, you know, fr- family, good neighborhood, a car, you know, a good job, and stuff like that. I don't think that's... Well, that's the thing. It's very, it's very vague. There's, yeah. there's no... There's no like set thing like this is quote unquote what the American dream is. It's very, it's very out there. So if you have if you have very high goals for it, mm-hmm. you know, which which I, which I think if if you were to think of the American dream, you would probably, or I would assume you would probably think somebody that isn't from here coming to this country mm-hmm. and then being able to both better themselves but also live possibly a, a wealthy life. And I just don't believe that that is really all that attainable here. Mm-hmm. I was uh, I was saying on I said with a few of my other previous guests that the the embodiment of the American dream for me is your boy LeBron James. So yeah, I, I, I would disagree with that just just simply because not all of us are going to be able to be born six foot eight. And, this is know, true. Be able to, born, to grow up and be six foot eight, two hundred fifty pounds, and be able to dribble a basketball like that. He was he was born with those skills. Yeah, but again, he's like he he's who I think of. But there are lesser like lesser uh known and lesser what am i trying to say here there's there are people who 
who have achieved greatness from similar backgrounds. Like, there are plenty of people. It's very unusual. And I know I told you I'd let you do all the talking, but <laughs> I just wanted, I just wanted to say, so you don't buy into, like, there's this notion of American exceptionalism. Like, we have to be the best. We are the best. We're, we set the tone. We set the, the example for the rest of the world. You don't buy into that? You mean that in a sense of, like, that we, we have to be? Or we should be? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't buy into the fact, the part that we should be, but I would say that you know, I would, I would absolutely like to be. I would, I would like to be self-dependent as a as a country that I that I happen to be in. Um, but the the should part, not not necessarily. Hmm. It comes from a place of arrogance that like we are somehow exceptional or better than the rest of the world. Um, not well. I, I guess that's one way to look at it. I, I mean, it, it's really just a, it's really just a more of a. I almost want to say like a competitive aspect to it. Like you just, you just really want to be, mm-hmm. as opposed to like, oh, we're better than them. We have to be. Mm. Yeah. It uh, it's very, it's very interesting. Uh, are you ready to move on to the next question? You want to move on to the next question? All right, let's let's do that. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Okay. Do you think or feel America? It's operating according to your understanding as it should be, or could it be better? Or could it be worse? Um, I have, this is kind of a, it's kind of a two-part for me. I thought, I thought about this for a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a yes and a, and a no at the same time because okay. I, I don't actually think this country could be operating any better just, just based on how it's, just based on how it's set up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's always going to be corrupt people in politics. So we're always going to have uh, leaders that are just there to get there and, you know, they just just the way it is. So I, I don't honestly think it could be any better with the way it's, it's currently set up. But at the same time, it, it 100% could be better. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think it ever really will. Hmm. Yeah, I think I, I can't remember who, who I, I read this quote a long time ago. And the heart of the problem for me, it comes down to and I'm, I'm sorry, I can't remember who who I read this, but I'm sure it's a I'm sure I, 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 if I did, if I did, I would. But uh Selfish people, or no, selfish leaders get elected by selfish people. Like the not the notion that like our leaders are corrupt and our leaders are self-serving and our leaders are you know bad. I guess is, but it's like but we but they didn't just trip and fall into these positions. Like they got elected by people. Like it's 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 on us to fucking fix it. And again, I'll take this moment, like I am with all my guests, to you know emphasize. Midterms are coming up at the beginning of November. Everyone go out and vote. I know you're probably tired of me mentioning it on this episode, but like get out to vote. I don't fucking care what you're you have no excuse. Get out to vote. Okay. So, but yeah, I mean, do you think it could be worse? Like in what aspect? What ways do you think this country could be worse? Do you think we're doing, you know, pretty good at? Um we could be I mean, we could definitely, we could always be a lot worse. I mean, I could, I could name anything really uh, that would be a lot worse at. But one of the, one of the, one of the beauties of our, our democracy that we have it with, with having people all the way in the right, all the way in the left, is that it kind of keeps. There, there, there's actually a middle, and it kind of keeps everything balanced. That's why we haven't fallen out of place really mm-hmm. in a, in a major way since our, since our existence. But I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that could get worse. I mean, a lot of it I feel would just have to do with neglecting certain parts of, of the government or just 
or, or just of anything that they're doing. Um, I mean, we, we all have we all have a lot of major roadways that run across the whole country. So I mean, that's that's always a good thing. We have we have a whole department for for parks and recreational stuff. I mean, like, there's there's a lot of things that are that are really good out there. That I mean, I just feel like if they were to neglect, I mean, obviously they would it would get much worse. But uh, there's nothing that I could think of off the top of my head, like specifically where I feel like you know we should really we should really hammer this down and and make it better. Um, okay. That's, a, that's an interesting question. Though. I'd, I'd like to, I'd really like to think about that and come back to it. All right. Well, let me ask you this, uh, and maybe this will lead into uh, the answer that will help you formulate the answer to that question. Uh, like, say, you know, the United States government came to you and was like, Stephen, you have unilateral decision making. You have ultimate control. Fix America. What I don't need to know your entire plan, but where would you? Where, what would be your first step? What would be the like point A, the start, the starting point for you. Um, I would, I would probably, I, I would, I would probably say something with the the news networks. I, I, I think you know now that now that you now that you ask it that way, I, I really think that that we got to do something about the, the CNNs, the Foxes, the, the all of those networks. They they all seem way too biased, depending on like what side of the aisle they're on. Mm-hmm. We really need to have something. Maybe maybe it could be a, I don't want to say maybe it could be like a government control one because that's that's never a good thing. Then at the same time, a privately owned one at this point is never a good thing depending on you know what side you're on. Mm. But there, there needs to be something, some kind of, I would say some kind of news network that people can go to to watch, put on TV. Or it, it's not, it's, it's never opinion based, it's just fact based. It's just, this is what happened I think I think what you're touching on is the commercialization of the news. Like, the news is a is a commodity, and the news is a uh, is a uh, it's a product that people are trying to sell to people. Is that what you're trying to get across? Correct. Yeah. Correct. So it's not so much about actually being. It's just about how can I get these people to turn it on? Yeah. As opposed to like you're turning it on because you want to know what happened. Yeah. Exactly what happened. And there's so much. There's so much going on. For example, with the the, the Cavana and the the Dr. Ford thing. Oh, Kavanaugh. And like, and it's just like, where would I go if I wanted to, you know, to get all the facts just kind of wrapped up in, in one? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't want anything left out. I don't want, I don't want to go to like a, a CNN and have this. Then they they throw kind of throw their opinion on there, which kind of you know mm-hmm. makes you lean one way or the other. Like, I just want to know what the facts are, what happened, what was said. And then just leave it at that, so that way I can then go and make my own opinion on it. You know, what I usually do when I need those types of, when I'm looking for something like that, I usually go to the Associated Press. Like, I feel like they're, like, not unbiased, obviously, because, like, everyone has a bias. But, like, I think that they're the most, the closest to neutral. Something like that, yeah. I mean, that's that's, that's kind of your, uh, is, is is that because they actually are, or is that because that's, your opinion and hmm, that's, a, that's a great point I uh that's a great point but I agree with you I think that 24 hour news and like and I mean it's only gotten worse with the internet it's like what the fuck like what do we like <laughs> it's like we, I mean it's just noise now it's just yeah, like, noise I should, I should be able to I should be able to go to go to a news, a news network and not have to guess whether or not one, if anybody's actually telling the truth. Two, if they're making 
you know, just making shit up to make me watch it. So, like, I, I, it, it's weird. I feel like I feel like if I were to turn the news on, like, 10 years ago, even, you know, as a 15-year-old at that mm-hmm. time, yeah. like, I, I feel like whatever whatever's out there, it, it's, not, it's not as crazy as it is today. Oh, yeah, the, uh, do you think that's a result of social media? Do you think that that's, like... Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. It's just, it's just that everybody, everybody has an opinion now, and they, they all want to put it out there, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever it is. Everybody wants to, to make their voices known, and everybody wants to do it on the, you know, the, the touch of a button, and it's just, it's just gotten, it's just gotten so ridiculous. Hmm. But by the same token, like, a lot of people who were marginalized and didn't have voices now have voices like that that's where i think is the trade-off of like this craziness of the 24-hour news media and the internet news media is like you know stories and voices we never got to hear like you were talking about the kavanaugh thing and dr ford like a lot of women who are who were assaulted unfortunately can now speak about it and there are there are now institutions online who are looking for their stories and stuff like that and like putting the stories out there and that gets picked up by a bunch of different sources and then it gets picked up by the the major news networks and that's how it's kind of things that get out there now and stuff so it is incessant and unrelenting but it also has the opportunity to do good in like certain cases like assault you know racism a lot of stuff like that so yeah i mean all, all the good comes with the, the the bad or the baggage of, of everything but yeah. i mean as far as I know, that's all stuff that we already had, right? Well, well, people, here's the thing. From my understanding is people were always aware of that kind of stuff, but there was never names or faces. Like, people were like, for instance, let's take this Kavanaugh thing, right? Like, people were aware that frat life and, you know, that kind of stuff, that kind of like, there was a lot of bad shit going on there was a lot of abuse going on but no one was like dr uh judge kavanaugh uh brett kavanaugh that's his name judge brett kavanaugh (laughs) judge brett kavanaugh is like put a face to the abuser or alleged abuser and the alleged victim dr ford although i believe she is a victim but that's a conversation for another day but and it's it's also like a lot of these police shootings i know you don't we're not going to get into that, but, like, uh, people were aware, like, yeah, the cops were, there are bad apples in the police force that abuse minorities. But now we have, like, footage and evidence and, like, documentation to prove, like, no, this is real. This isn't, like, some mythical boogeyman that lives underneath your, you know, li- li- lives under the beds of some minorities. Like, this is a real thing that people deal with every day. So it was, again, I think awareness was never the problem we needed like cold hard facts to when we go like what the fuck is up with this shit there was no room for plausible deniability right yeah so yeah man it's uh do you are you okay so are you optimistic about the future of america like are you optimistic are you more cynical um probably probably more cynical but I'm kind of, I'm kind of in the middle. I mean, it's, it's really a, a neither for me. Like I, I, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't feel like it's going to get any better, any, any worse. Like, I don't think it's going to be the end of the world. I don't, I don't think we're going to, you know, I don't think we're going to do like Trump would say and just, you know, jump off of, you know, and just be great again, whatever the hell that means. But 
don't know. I feel, I feel like we're just going to kind of stay the, the course a bit. Like I just, I just don't see any any kind of major change or improvement coming. So, but I, if I had to pick, I would probably lean a little more towards the, the cynical side. Hmm. Well, I mean, c- cynicism and skeptic- skepticism is not always a bad thing. But I-, I think I'm optimistic. Like I always think that progress is slow and incremental, but it is it is consistent. Like it will happen. Like it, I think progress is always being made, and I think we're we have a long way to go, but we have we've come a long way. Like even I mean, in, in the past, like like ten years, like we have gay marriage, and we have like. I don't know. We're, get, we're we're finding out more about the abuses of like the the suffering of women in this country and stuff like that. That I mean, I was never aware of, and it's just like I think that we're steps or strides are being made. And I get I, also there have been regressions. I'll, I won't be. I'll be the first to admit that. But like I think that we are slowly but surely getting better. It's just that it's so slow that we might not see it as like in the moment. Like we might not see it right away. But like years later, we're like, oh yeah, I guess that is. Like progress. I would I would say that, that a lot of this stuff has, um, well, while we are making progress in those regards, I would I would feel like it's almost kind of balanced out in the sense that like there are a lot of people that that, that look at that, uh, not not those specific things, yeah. but they would say that that because all of this has come out, we've we've had people take such you know we've had people take sides in the way that they are so far right or so far left that it's yeah, actually it's a great point. It. It's actually causing a, a really, a really big, you know, gap or, or uh, I'm of divide, word, a, a split or yeah, a divide yeah. between the two. That it, that that is actually, while we are making progress in those regards, there's actually a much bigger split in that that we didn't have, you know, ten years ago or maybe a little longer than that. I would probably say pre pre Obama administration and probably pre like we, pre two thousand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. While, while we're getting better in some areas, I would say I would argue that some people that look at the other side of that and just be like, "Look, I mean, it's actually gotten gotten worse." I mean, you know, do you, do you think that there's a there's an actual split, at least in terms of the, at least in terms of race between between white and, and, and black people? Because I would I would say, at least in my opinion, um, I feel like there's there's more there's more caution now between like if if for example I was walking down the street or walking down a sidewalk and there was a, a black person walking down. I feel like today, as opposed to 10 years ago, for example, that there is probably more tension between mm. me and whoever this person is as we walk by each other than there would be 10 years ago. Well, I would just say... In a, just in a general sense. I would say that uh, the, the, the good thing about having these types of conversations, as far as like progress and stuff like that and you know fixing the 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 crimes of the past and not to be dramatic with the word crimes there but just the the general injustice of the past right like the injustices of the past but uh the problem is it's like anything like it's like being at a family function and there's a conversation that needs to be had and everybody in the family knows about it but no one's willing to have the conversation but when the conversation is finally had it might split the family and it might split the group or whatever but I mean, you can't move forward until you address the elephant in the room, and like you can't move forward until you address the problem. And yeah, that's gonna split people. It, it, it usually does. It, it usually does. But I don't think the split is as. It, there's definitely a split, but I don't think, and this might be my bias and my leaning, but I don't think the the split we're dealing with right now is so much that it's fifty fifty. I think it's more like 
2080 or 3367, like that kind of thing. And I, what I'm saying is like most people who are being counterproductive are a lot smaller than the people who are either trying to be productive or the people who are indifferent. Like I think that most people are probably either, oh yeah, things need to change or most people are like, yeah, I mean – I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be mad at a change, but I also it doesn't matter. Things are going pretty good the way they were. So, but I really think the only people who are who are actively being counterproductive that's a very that's smaller than we'd like to believe it is. Uh, I guess yeah. I would say I would say most people are probably like the the, the latter of what you said, but they're just kind of well, they're just, just kind of in the middle. Like they're not they're yeah. not actively like any one way that like they're just kind of there. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, man, people are just living uh, their lives, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, there there are, believe it or not, there are actually some people that can go online, read something, and, and be like, wow, that sucks, or wow, I'm offended by that, and then just move on and not have to do anything about it because it's, you know, whatever, but... Yeah. Just the way it is. Just the way it is, and I think that's going to do it for us right now. Thank you, Steve-O, for being on here. I'm always glad to have you on. Always glad to be here. Always glad. It's always a good conversation. All right, man, I'll, uh, I'll catch you later, and thanks again for uh, being on. This should go out on the, the 10th. So is everybody asked the same question on this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I asked everyone, I asked everyone the same questions, yeah, and uh, uh, you're, I have two other people to record with today, but it'll round out to about uh, 10 people and uh, like five people on one and five people on the other. Yeah, well, uh, the midterms, I'm kind of, like, getting people, I'm kind of being politically charged, I guess, on the pod, like, directly, because I'm trying to, like, build up to the midterms. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, man. I'll, uh, oh, fuck, that was a burp. Okay. I'm good. Thank you, man. Go back to bed, man. I, uh, I appreciate you. I'm I'm, I'm up and, I'm up and at it now. (laughs) But, yeah, how are, how how are things in Chicago? Oh, good. The weather is... Turning. It was 45 degrees this morning. So. Oh my god, that sounds amazing. <laughs> switch. I'll switch with you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, it's in the 70s, I think, or, yeah, it's in the 70s over here. Oh, I wish. <laughs> what? I mean. I just want, I just want more of a transition. Like, it went from being in the <laughs> mid to high 70s. To the 50s over the course of like three days. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, they were talking about a cold front hitting Austin, and all that means is the highs will be in the 80s instead of the 90s. It's like, oh yeah, that's oh, that's. God. <laughs> anyway, uh, you ready to start? Yep. All right. All right. Oh boy, you buckled in. You ready? <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Hey guys, I'm back. Uh, to right now, I'm joined by Alex Molnar. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Alex was telling me how drastically cold it got, seemingly in a very short amount of time in Chicago, where she lives. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. I which I'm incredibly jealous of because I love forty. I love sixties to forty degree weather. That's the that's the ideal <laughs> weather. But anyway, yeah, my ideal is like seventy-two. <laughs> eh, nothing wrong with that. Uh, but today we're not here to talk about the weather. We're here to talk about something much, much bigger and much more volatile than the weather, America. Uh, as if, if you've, if everyone's been listening, I'm going to ask Alex the same questions I've been asking everybody else. Um, uh, you ready to start with the first one? 
Let's go. Let's go. Okay, Alex, what is America for you personally, as you understand it from a historical or cultural perspective, and how do you feel about it? Uh, <laughs> Long side. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about this, and it's kind of, it's hard to come up with an answer because I think I kind of, I have a more of an outsider perspective having spent the first 10 years or so of my life not in America. Yeah. So I kind of came into it with some opinions already formed about the world and stuff like that, not shaped by, you know, American schools or that kind of a thing. So it's interesting. And I hadn't really, I don't know, I never really thought about what does America mean to me personally Mm -hmm. before. Um, And thinking about it, particularly this week, Maybe my opinion would be different at a different time, but right now, in this moment, America, to me, means violence. It's just, like, <laughs> violence. It's... Yeah, I, uh, I I was really hoping to shape the conversation uh, towards the midterms, where we're like, yay, optimism, we can start moving in a more positive direction, and then this week has just kind of, like, killed it, so... But yeah, it's, uh, it's a shame. I mean... I I I am curious to see to hear what I, I don't mean this derog- like with a, as a pejorative, but what a foreigner thinks of uh, of yeah. America. Because I mean, a, a big thing that's been kind of going on. I've talked to a few people so far already. Is like mm-hmm. there is this like elementary school sanitized version of American history that we're kind of introduced to as a kids as kids, and then yeah. eventually we start peeling the layers back and reveal that um America. <laughs> You've kind of done some fucked up shit, dude. Yeah, but how do you? I mean, do you think? I mean, not only are you, you know, a non-American originally, but you're also a woman. Like, and I mean, y'all only got the right to vote in this country. Like, uh, I think a little over a hundred years ago, or even a hundred years ago, was it 1919? I think was like suffrage movement. Yeah. Yeah, it was in the 1910s for sure, so relatively recently in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely interesting because, like, I mean, and on top of on top of being from Canada, I was homeschooled for most of most of my young education. Yeah. So I didn't even really get the whole like Canada's a really great country too kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. You know, and obviously, like, my mom was teaching me, so, you know, there's some bias. Everybody has biases. And yeah. It's impossible to avoid. Um, but I definitely got more of a sort of, like, broader, I, I, I don't want to say worldly perspective, because, I mean, we're still, it was still very Western-focused and, and um, very focused on, the histories of both America and Canada, yeah. but there was there was more like like when we were learning about the Holocaust as a little kid, Mom taught us about the people that America turned away. Yeah, you know, and that's not you know something necessarily taught to young kids right off the bat. <laughs> so it's that kind of a <laughs> yeah, it's that kind of a thing that was like. Yeah, we learned about how, you know, we learned about Teddy Roosevelt 
how cool he was. But I also learned about how the Canadian Army came down and, and sacked the White House in 1812. And it's just kind of like, yeah, so, you know, America was great, but, like, so are other countries, you know? Well, that's a great, that's a great point. A lot of what the conversations have been so far has been about, uh, like, hubris, uh, arrogance, mm-hmm. entitlement, an American exceptionalism, yeah. and uh, yeah. the American dream. What do you think about like American exceptionalism or in uh, such? I mean, I think it's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Alex, tell me how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think there's anything particularly special about this country that makes it so much better than anywhere else in the world. Everyone has, every country has heroes and people that have done incredible things and 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 in a lot of cases america kind of stole those things from them you know and it's it's i think we take credit for a lot of stuff that isn't necessarily ours to take credit for that's a great point um and i think we kind of america has bought into its own mythology since world war Two. yeah so hard yeah and I think it's honestly holding us back because we're so convinced of our own grandeur that we're not trying to be better anymore. Yeah. And that's a problem because, you know, everything is always moving forward. And if you've just decided that you are the pinnacle, then there's no push to, to see what comes next or what, could top what we have now. Yeah, it leads to stagnation. Exactly, exactly. And that's, I, I kind of feel like that's, we're, we're at, I, I hope, you know, a sort of turning point politically and culturally, but I feel like we keep getting ourselves sucked into these wars and and cultural disputes and whatever in in other places that don't do us any favors and they don't do the world any favors yeah really yeah i don't know if we should be i don't know if we deserve the impact on a global scale that we have but we definitely have a global impact and like things that affect us affect you know freaking third world countries all over the place and stuff like that absolutely but you know you are you are from Canada. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I kind of tell when you said a boot, but, uh, you know, that's, I'm not going to hold that <laughs> against you. But I, uh, it was, uh, I do want to know, um, I have been talking to some people about the American dream, and that is a big thing for foreigners when they come to this country. Is yeah. that's, why, that's what we're always told. They come here for the opportunity yeah. and for the, yeah. the, uh, the, you know, the chance of upward mobility and you know, yeah. self-fulfillment and self-realization. Do you believe in the American dream? Another long sigh. <laughs> <laughs> I... Yes and no. Okay. I, I believe that... I believe that it could be a thing. You know, and particularly particularly in the immediate post-World War II era and in the 60s and 70s, despite the turmoil and the conflict, there was a lot of room for people to grow and Mm -hmm. for people 
who were stuck after uh, the Great Depression or whatever to, to sort of change their circumstances. Do I believe that the American dream is available for everyone? No. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think there are a lot of barriers to entry and I think it is achievable for people who are really capable of, of you know, working themselves to the bone yeah. But I don't think that you should have to sacrifice so much of yourself in order to eke out, like, the next barest step better than where you are. You know, and, and like, I, I understand that, that risk equals reward and, and hard work leads to, you know, betterment and all that kind of bullshit. <laughs> but <laughs> at the same time, like... Just because someone isn't physically or mentally capable of the same arduous life work as someone else doesn't mean they don't have wonderful things to contribute to the world. It doesn't mean they shouldn't be allowed the opportunities or the ability to participate in our world. We have so much that we could offer. Like schools here are great like the good the good schools in America are great yeah you know that's never a question but the bad schools in America are so bad it's mind-boggling and the fact that you know we're relegated to to choosing between you know our financial security or our future employment of opportunities or you know more than financial security like choosing choosing to be homeless in order to go to school like that's a huge thing that's becoming more prevalent across college campuses is people are going homeless in order to afford education at places that will result in in jobs and and opportunity for them later in life. But, like, what kind of a toll does that take on a person? How much more would you get out of your education if you weren't worried about where you're going to sleep at night? Or if you're not concerned about, you know, well, I'm sleeping in my van and the police might come and, like, tell me to move and so I have to drive around for four hours trying to find somewhere else to sleep before I have an exam in the morning. Like, all we're doing is creating a society that keeps the people who already have opportunity at the highest level Mm. and keeps the people with skill and ability out of the race entirely because they don't have opportunity. Okay. I think all great points. Uh, I think we can move on to the next question because I feel like we're starting to touch on those topics. But uh, Mm -hmm. do you – the second question is do you think or feel America, it's operating according to your understanding – as it should be, or could it be better or worse? And, you know, talking about, like, the whether you think the country as a whole is operating or just the government, it, it all depends. What do you think? We are absolutely not doing as well as we could be. Mm-hmm. We're, we're one of the richest countries in the world. Yeah. Why do we have such a rampant poverty, homelessness, hunger across this country? It's ludicrous. And it's, it's mismanagement mm-hmm. and it's a lack of care for the, the less people fortunate, who are yeah. most affected. Yeah. 
you know, if if we maintained our infrastructure after we built it, like if we didn't just say, great, we built it, now we're done, forever, bye, like the streets would be so much better, the roads would be better, the, like things would just be better. But, but where do you think that? Where do you think that selfishness? Well, I don't want to. Lead, I, that might be a leading question. To, that might be a leading way to start the question. But where do you think those issues come from? The, the, uh, the lack of maintenance and the lack of, uh, I don't know, empathy. I guess is it. Do you think it's this? Uh, my theory is that the, our, our very much our individualism that we pride ourselves on kind of leads to selfless to selfishness and yeah. self-serving uh, mindsets. Do you think that's fair? I think it, that is very fair, and I was I was talking about it, not this exact thing, but it's a it's a sort of tangentially related um, idea. We we're coming back from a show the other night and driving through an incredibly wealthy area, uh, suburb of Chicago, and just talking about how freaked out we would be living in these giant houses because you would never know if you're home alone. You know, you would never be able to know for sure that you're alone. And that, and then it occurred to me like, Oh, that's why these people have such massive gates and security systems and cameras and, you know, locks and all that kind of shit. It's because they're afraid. Could you imagine like (laughs) if you were like lying in bed in those mega mansions and you hear a noise, you're like, what is that? I'm like, right. you'd be spending your hours just searching every corner of your house, just like, okay, now I can sleep at night knowing there's nothing else in here. Exactly. And I think on a grand scale, that's kind of what's happened with wealth in this country is, is I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to be financially secure. Yeah. But I think what happens is people get more and then realize they have more to lose. Mm-hmm. And so they become afraid of losing that to the point where they, my dad and I talk about this a lot, where everything becomes a zero-sum game. My having more means you, like, if I'm going to have more, you have to have less. Yeah. But that's not the way societies work. That's not the way cultures work. And the cultures that do operate like that don't work. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and I think we're so afraid we have such a cultural animosity towards sharing for various reasons. I think there's, there's a lot of American individualism that, that comes all the way back from the beginning of, of, you know, the founding of the nation and the wild West and, mm-hmm. you know, the gold rush and all that kind of stuff. But it also was really ramped up after the cold war. And after we get into like the red scare kind of stuff, which wasn't so much because people were worried. I personally, this is my personal belief, and I, you know, not necessarily backed up by fact or whatever, but I don't think it's because people were really worried that communism was actually going to sweep the world. I think it's because they were worried that America was going to lose the dominant, you know, position of power to Russia. Yeah. And so the best way to do that is to villainize and demonize everything about their political system, not to say that Russia has a good political system or, you know, is a functional country in any way, mm-hmm. but we just turn them into the bad guy because America has to have a bad guy in order to be the good guy. Yeah, that's a really great way of putting it. Um, so, like, say, you know, I've been asking my guests this this question as well. Uh, say, you know, 
the United States government goes, Alex, fix America. Here's unilateral <laughs> unilateral decisions. I don't need your whole plan, but where would you start? What's your what's your number one thing on the top of the to do list? Oh man, talk to people. Mm. Start 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 talking to people who have experience in whatever industry I'm focused on. I don't think there is any one solution. I don't. I don't think that's true at all. Absolutely. But like, talk to scientists about what needs to happen with the environment, the EPA, whatever. Talk to the the people who design cities and, and plan shit. And not just the people who have been around for forever, but the new people. The people who, like, are coming up with ideas. You know? Mm-hmm. Because I don't think just talking to established minds mm-hmm. is helpful. I think I think Yes, we need to look to history in order to learn from it. And yes, we need to we need to respect people who who have spent dedicated their lives to learning about things. But at the same time, human beings get stuck. We get stuck in patterns. We get stuck in in modes of thought, mm-hmm. and it happens every day to, to to the average person. Where somebody says, "Well, why don't you try it this way?" and you're like, "Oh, fuck, duh," you know. But. We get so wrapped up in our own mythology of like, well, I am a tenured Yale professor and I've studied this thing for so long and I know all the stuff. Like, you know what functions in a classroom setting. You know the ideological best here, but do you actually know what's real? Like, what is really happening with people? Yeah. And I think a lot of it is a lot of the issues that America wants fast, shiny, yeah, simple solutions. Yeah, simple yeah. solutions. Yeah, uh, and that's you, just not the case. Yeah, what do you think about? Uh, I've heard a lot of people talk that like we just need to come together, and I don't think coming together is the problem. Like, I think we all are willing to like come together. Where the problem mm-hmm. is is the direction, like. The goal is the problem. Like, we can't agree on what's best. Like, because we were so, we all had very different opinions on what, like, I was telling Dalvin, like, when he was, when I recorded with him, it's like, it amazes me. It amazes me on both sides of the aisle how many people, like, say they love America, love this country, love everything it stands for, but hate Americans. Like, they hate like yes. it's so weird it's so weird to me and I'm, I'm not above the fray again i'm i'm part of the problem as well but it just amazes me that like we claim to be like this country's the greatest country on earth there's we the american people are the greatest people on the planet well some people are some people aren't that like definitive but what i'm saying sure. is like they, they praise america but then talk about it's great but then again these people suck. It's like, well, I mean, are we are right. we great or just some of us great? What's going on there? I don't know. That, I mean, that is, I think, a symptom of, <laughs> to get pretty leftist here, I guess, that's a symptom of a colonialist nation. Okay. It's a symptom of the need to... It's, again, the zero-sum game idea. If I'm on top, that means I have to be on top of someone. Yeah. And 
if if I'm saying I I love America, but you are not America, I am. Yeah. Then that gives me conviction, and it gives me the ability to not question my choices, to not question my thoughts or ideas or or my morals, because I'm America and you're not. Yeah. And I think the problem is we've all come to sort of believe and accept this false ideology that if that if we're going to get anything done, we have to choose and we have to, we can't just do it all at once. And like, to be fair, change doesn't happen overnight. And like I just said, it's not a simple solution. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. But there's this idea that we have to let some things fall by the wayside in order to achieve other goals. And, you know, I don't know if that's true or not, you know? I mean, I have no experience running huge political engines or groups or anything like that. So, you know, I have no idea the amount of compromise that it must take in order to get anything done. But I just feel like we as a nation and the world, honestly, have left so many people behind for so long, you know? And I think it hurts us. It really hurts us. Because it narrows our, it narrows our worldviews, it narrows our perspectives, it narrows our ability to empathize and to, to, have compassion for people because and I mean I do it too in my own life where it's like well I can't I can't feel as much about this as I do about something else because I just don't have the capacity yeah so I mean I don't think there is really an easy answer there but I think at least the first step in that process is not shitting on people who who don't care about the things that you care about. You know, everybody has their torches. Everybody has their causes that are deeply, deeply important to them. Mm-hmm. And not everyone cares about the same thing, and that's okay. Because we're not physically or mentally capable of, of caring for everything. Yeah. Like, we just don't have the capacity. So it's important that there are people who have different mindsets. And I think having those differences pushes us further. But at the same time, we need to be able to have those differences without using them to keep our the people who are different from us down. Hmm. I agree, man. And uh, I think that my favorite part about America, if I can chime in is yeah. I I fundamentally believe that we, we, we often get characterized across the world as being like irrationally optimistic and I, I think yeah. that it's I don't I, I acknowledge the irrationalism of it all but I also love that I honestly believe that this country is aspirational and I always I believe yeah. that this country is about progress and forming to you know quote the Constitution Declaration, I don't fucking remember, but it's uh, 
to form a more perfect union. I honestly believe that. That is what America is for me. It's to yeah. form a more perfect union. And it is an experiment. It's a, a rocky fucking road. But I think we'll get yeah. better. We're, we always see, we eventually, I mean, fuck, we didn't have really equal rights under the law until the 60s, the 1960s, not the 1860s or anything like that, but the 1960s. I mean, later than that, even because the, the Housing Act didn't get passed so, yeah, it was sometime in the 70s, the, the Fair Housing Act. So, you know, I mean, it's even, it's closer. It's all so much closer. And if you want to take it even further, we still don't have equal rights because people with disabilities don't get the same kind of considerations that people with without disabilities get, you know? And it's, this is something that I learned recently, just a fun fact. If you receive some kind of disability benefit and you get married you lose those benefits <laughs> so people just don't get married because like they cannot survive without those benefits but somehow getting married is like well no you're done bye <laughs> like it's not like these people can you know all of a sudden walk or yeah. you know whatever it's sad that is that's sad and I acknowledge there's a we have a long way to go. We have a long yeah, fucking way but, to go. But I do I do I do agree that, you know, we are positively trending. And we have always been. From yeah. from the very beginning. I mean, the world is positively trending, except for maybe if you look at, you know, like the ecology of very the the environment. Like that is not positively trending no. anymore. But <laughs> barring barring that, like humanity does continue to improve it's just how many people do we lose along the way before we realize how much more we need to do it's a great you know it's a great sentiment um i don't know i don't know uh and again we have a long way to go and progress it's it's a slow it's it's slow it's slow yeah and painful and very painful and i guess all we can hope for is like maybe not for us but the next generation yeah yep well this has been a great chat man thank you so much for doing this and i appreciate you taking time out of your weekend man and uh you know uh i know i can't be there up there but you know since you live in chicago you know just root for the bulls for me while you're up there man we need all the help we can get this season <laughs> i'll spare my thought every now and then <laughs> thank you i appreciate it thank you again alex for doing this i'll uh i guess i'll yeah. I'll, I'll catch you on the internet sounds good all right i'll talk to you later all right bye-bye are you ready to go yeah let's roll all right let's do this hold up <clears throat> let me take a swig of water okay hey guys my next guest in this ensemble episode is Jay Leshashare. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? I'm good. Returning guest. Uh, haven't had you on this year so far, to my regret. Uh, I don't know, man. I just... It, the only I'll tell you this. Only one episode came up, or one week came up, where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing this week. Honestly, every other, every other week, I swear, has been like, okay, that's on the docket, and that's on the docket. And I'm like, dude, you're totally neglecting, like, half of your regulars and i'm like shit this is not ugh, there's not enough time there's no, there's not enough weeks you're a popular man uh yeah i got a lot of eager and willing and supportive friends and i guess that's a good problem to have <laughs> that are just bored friends but this is also true i had a oh man 
I had a girl. I had a friend of mine tell me she lives vicariously through me on my Instagram, and I'm like, if you're living vicariously through me, my life is so boring. Like, what? <laughs> you go outside. Take pictures outside a lot. I go. I do go out. I do go around Austin, but I don't like. Like I don't. I mean, I. 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 Um, like. I would say seventy five percent of my life is just on a couch or at a desk. Like that's it. That's all it is. I mean, you got you got to be comfy. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to the questions at hand. I, I invited you on to ask to answer a couple of questions I've been asking several of my friends, um, and it has to do with uh, America. And again, for anyone listening, this is in relation to kind of a lead up, a lead up, or like a build up to the midterms coming in November. Everybody should register to vote. If you're not registered to vote, what the fuck are you doing? I don't give a fuck who you vote for. I don't give a... These words are just as valid right now. I really don't give a fuck who you vote for. Just fucking vote. Like, what are you doing? Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about something much broader and such a, something much more uh, abstract instead of the impending uh, midterm elections. So, Jay, my first question for you is, what is America for you personally, as you understand it from a historical or cultural perspective, and how does it make you feel? It's fucked up. <laughs> you, you, you have to be honest. It's fucked up. It has always been fucked up. Mm-hmm. And until we, as a country, and not just, you know, a, a select few, or a, a, a party, but until we as a country, as people, accept that it's fucked up, we're never going to reach our potential. Like, the saddest thing about America is, due to fucked up reasons, we've always had the most resources, and we've wasted all of them. Just absolutely all of them. And it's sad. You know, we, we produce more than we need, yet we still have high rates of poverty. Mm, and inequality, yeah. And it's just, it's just almost every problem could be solved. We pretend that it can't. Mm-hmm. We, we, we focus on being better than the others. You know, we, I mean, at the root of it, that's why people always end up saying, well, you know, I don't want minimum wage to go up because then this is going to be more expensive, and so that's really a pay decrease for me. And it's because you're you're upset with that because now you don't have as much more than someone. And so, would you say it's that just, it's the it is a uh, competitive, I guess, mindset? It's, that yes, it's, it's it's a we have a competitive mindset, and due to that competitive mindset, we we just fucking lie to ourselves mm. constantly and we we say that it's working and we know that it's not we're struggling like people don't have to struggle mm-hmm. like we could work together and have things and i'm not saying like you know it has to be like this this communist nightmare that people think of where no one has anything more than another mm-hmm. you know you know capitalism doesn't have to you know I mean, it kind of does have to have people suffer, but you know, there's you can, can you work. can you can marginalize or you can minimalize that. We can marginalize it. Yeah, we could we could offset the, the the fucked up disparities 
that we have, we can actually let people have a, a chance for it to be a free market. I mean, the idea that, you know, you can come here and anyone, you know, if they just work hard enough, they can be successful. It, it's completely bullshit. It's just 100% completely bullshit. You have to be born in the right family, in the right place at the right time with the right amount of money. Yeah. And that's how it's always been. You look at all these success stories, they almost always started with a huge amount of cash from someone. Yeah. And it's just, I think people, I mean, I, I think we have so much potential and we, we have a lot of it leak out. I think, I think our creative arts, you know, and especially in terms of the entertainment industry, I, I think, you know, it's just superb almost sublime and and i think that comes from you know a a, and this a want to escape i think Mm. we all understand that life as we know it is just wrong which is why we escape to entertainments why you know americans consume so much tv and so much video games because we want to escape this reality because you don't have to work nine to five in a video game you're when you watch tv you don't you rarely see them go to work or if they're at work it, it, it's about work and they're having fun shenanigans you know yeah you know that nothing's being productive you, you, we we have a drive for escapism because we understand that america the life as we know it is is just wrong is it fair to say that you have a very and this is not a judgmental question i'm just asking if this is a fair ob- assessment would you say that that's a cynical no opinion? I, I don't think i don't think it's cynical at all i i, I think it's i think it's a, a very real okay. and an honest approach and and honestly I, I i see it as optimistic because i think that all it takes is an awakening i think it's just all it takes is for people just to say hold up we don't have to fight each other we don't have to worry that you have more than me. I can just worry that you have enough. And then when I make sure you have enough, holy shit, that's, there's so much more around us. Would you say, like, uh, without dipping into the next question, fuck, I've lost my... Sp- <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. I was, I had something about, but I didn't want to lean into the... Uh, what did you... You just said, like... Uh, God damn, I was just thinking it, and it's outside my mind. Please continue, sir. I'll, it'll come back to me. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm being long-winded and, and... It's fine. The kind of an annoying guess, you know, they're just going to fast forward. But it's just, I, I truly, I, I, I feel optimistic. I, I When I look at the entertainment industry in, in specific, I, I in specific, that doesn't make fucking sense, uh, in particular, I, I see such a huge you know output like it's just such a huge output and when you kind of look through history it's always been these super competitive you know hyper you know classist societies that have produced wonderful art and it's always about been about escapism you know, it's always been about, let me look at this painting that takes me away to a beautiful starry night where I don't have to worry about, you know, making enough money to keep this fucking shack that I live in. Well, that, I think that, that, was my, that was my question. It did come back to me. Uh, 
and if you want to lead into the second question, if this if you feel like this your answer will lead into the second question, we can just move on to the second question. But uh, you talked about an awakening, right? Yeah. Why do you think? I don't disagree with you. Uh, why do you think it hasn't happened yet? We've lost sight. Uh, I think I think you kind of look. You go back to almost ancient history, and you look at some of your first philosophers. And uh, at first, you know, you, early philosophy was really about what is it to be human, what is it to have a soul, what is it to to do good, mm-hmm. not what is it to be better, what is it to be good, mm. and as time has gone we've had less and less philosophers because mm. we don't focus on that and we say that it's it's bullshit we say that it's it's hogwash because there are some people who have no interest in being good or they realize that that comes with good there, there comes a night uh, a naivety, or however you pronounce it, I'm, it's been a long day, and you're going to edit that out. <laughs> that comes with foolishness. Yeah, it comes uh, with naivete. Yeah, yeah, naivete. Yeah, th- thank you. And I'm a goddamn English teacher. Hey, man, oh, I shame. I work in accounting, and I fuck up math all the time. So don't even feel yeah, bad about that. Numbers are hard. Eh, some people would argue language is hard, but but let's move on to the second question because yeah. you you did dip into history, and yeah. I mean we're we're. 200 and, or 250 years yeah 250 something years once again numbers are hard numbers are hard close to 250 years uh, I, teach, I teach the letters <laughs> <laughs> then explain algebra no but alright uh, so Fuck. 250 almost 250 years old we're not an old country but we're definitely not a young country anymore no. uh, I mean you really when you look at you know the progression of the world you know when you accept that progress is exponential yeah we're as old as anyone yeah but so do you think or feel that america it's operating according to your understanding i know you're not you you just said you're an english you're an english teacher but you're not a history expert or a professor or anything like that do you think it's operating as it should or as it should be or could it be better or worse what do you think I, I think it's operating as it intended. Yeah. I, I think it, I think it's fully operating as intended. We got to stop pretending our forefathers were honorable people. Let's be real; they were bitching uh, about having to pay taxes. Yeah. Like I mean, they they committed treason, you know. And yes, you have issues of taxation without representation, but you also have part of the whole thing like yay you had slaves we're kind of trying to get rid of slaves and you know that plays into why you, i mean there's once again not a history expert but you know i do study that and, and um i'm not going into you know uh the specifics of that but you realize this country was founded on essentially an act of terrorism and you know you can say that there's certainly honor in how it was done and I'm not getting into whether America should have ever came to be, but we were we stole the land. It w- was not our land. We we yeah. murdered. We committed genocide uh, to the the people who actually own and rightfully uh, should belong here. We erased them from our history books, and we pretend that it's right because we know that good people 
tend to not fight and to look deep and to look in for the evil of people and so evil can profit and they set up structures to, to keep them as the ones who profit and it's it's operating like it should be well and, let me ask you this we did talk about you did mention that it's operating how it was designed like we our our founding fathers you know all of those old white like land-owning aristocrats land and slave owners land and slave owners of course uh it's kind of operating that other people weren't people yeah it's operating and designed right like would you say that what, what would you say if i if what would you say to the argument that they had the foresight to think that things will change and they did build in infrastructure for progress, like things to change in this country. What would you say to that? That they – were they optim- – would think, you think that was an I act of optimism? I think, it's the, I think it's the idea of dangling the carrot. OK. We have an amendment system, but it's fucking hard as hell for those to go through. Yeah. They can always be taken away. We can put in structures that – We'll fucking make sure we control the house. The fact that we we don't actually let our citizens vote, like like people, we, we got to get the fuck away from senators. And well, we don't need that. We needed it when we ha- had no way to communicate to the capital. Okay. We have the fucking internet. We can have a direct line that's encrypted to our identity. We can have a direct input. We do not need senators and legislators anymore we can have lawmakers we can have people who we elect to help write laws and think of solutions and those are elected positions and what they do is they write bills and we vote on them as citizens but do you like, trust the that, american people because i gotta yes, more, I, I gotta tell I, you man I do if if we well, it, once again it, it comes with an awakening it's not one thing it's we have to accept that we're broken we have to accept that we're broken, okay. but we can be fixed. We can do this, we, and it and it, it it takes a, a. I'm not saying a violent revolution, but it does take a, a revolution of the mind. It, it does take a paradigm shift. We we can accept that if we actually work together, we can do what we want. But, we don't need to have party represent representation when we can actually communicate and when we can accept that we can work together even with our alternative ideas we can then push and accept that there needs to be true education to absolutely everyone because when you take out a party system and you actually have people voting you have a true level playing field on the voting battleground and when you have that Education will actually be actually be available to everyone, but it it just takes it, it's going to take a a, a a complete paradigm shift. I totally agree with you, Jay. I I totally agree with you. I think that there needs to be that conversation had between every between all of us, and we live in an age where communication is easier than ever, right? So, but my problem with and I'm just playing, you know, I'm just devil's advocate. Actually, I'm not devil's the advocate. Devil does not need an advocate. Yeah, I don't need an advocate. I'm just you know, as by the way, are you try- are you trying to uh, get my soul right now? <laughs> the only thing you'd want help with. Uh, <laughs> stole that from Hari Kondabalu. He's a, a, a godsend. If you have not seen his comedy, fucking watch it. 
what I would say is that I don't disagree with you, and I think everybody agrees that it's broken, but I think we all want... A revolution implies unison, and unison implies a common goal. I don't think we all have a common goal here. Like No, but that's that's what I mean. It's a paradigm shift. We have to accept that we don't need to compete because it's not about... If it's not about being better than someone else but about getting what I want then you can just get what you fucking want. I think you're describing utopia. And this is a conversation for another pod, but like I don't think Americans and much much more like humans can have the oh, no, mindset I don't to think Americans have that because it's ingrained. I mean, we teach in and thankfully less and less schools are doing it, but we 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 teach free market like we literally teach capitalism to our students. Yeah. Like we teach them that this is the only way the world works. And I like I remember in school like literally like having lessons that explaining why any and every other possible system can fail and socialism only works on paper. When you ask me the whole, if the whole point of an economic system is to provide the best opportunities for all of its citizens, if you have any citizens who are homeless, it's failing. I think that's a fair, you know, goalpost. If you, if you have homeless people, your economic system is a failure. Capitalism has always had homeless, so it, capitalism also only works on paper. And we're going to have to realize that as long as we value money and we value acquiring wealth, which wealth just means more than you, because yeah. that's all wealth means. It just means more than you. Yeah. Because if everyone has it, it means shit. If we can just stop being selfish and work together, we can do whatever the fuck we want. Like, literally, there will be people who would be happy mining resources, like legitimately working with their hands, knowing that I can drive my Lamborghini home because I love riding a sports car. Or some guy is like, I'm going to drive my little Honda Civic because I just like you know, slow and see. You know, they can just get these things and, and we can design amazing things our art won't be about escapism it can be about creation and our new ways to explore reality like we we can do more i would say that uh like i was saying i think what you what you're describing is a, a utopia and i don't yeah. think a utopia i don't think our psyche can handle a, a utopia but i hope it can man i really that's my i, I, I no, think but I, I i disagree when you say it can't i think it fully can yeah i 100 think it can because think about a little kid yeah like a, a true little kid and they got something they love like i'm talking like toddler like little like before they can speak like that that little and they get a toy they like and they see you and you can be a stranger they hand you that toy. Yeah. This thing makes me happy. You hold this. You'll be happy too. That is our natural programming. But I think that what you're describing with children is I don't think their awareness is of finite resources and closed systems as far as there is an, oh, there, there, are, there are enough – I will say this. Just let me say this. They will say that there – we do have a lot of resources in this country. We're the wealthiest country we have, in the planet. We have enough resources for everyone. We do, but I don't – I think we – on paper, yeah, like logically we do, but I don't think there are some people no, – enough no, is enough. No, no, we – not only do we have it on paper, 
you, especially in the food industry, Mister. I worked in a goddamn grocery store and so Oh, I, I agree. I agree. But I don't think we, there are some people there's not enough. We waste. We throw away our resources. It's not on paper. We legitimate. We fucking have more empty homes than homeless. But there's always going to be the people who no, want more, but, man. But it's, How do you handle those? There's always going to be what? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. There's, there's always going to be greed. There's always going to be want. And there's always no, going to be... once again, I, I say there is a paradigm shift until we can just shift. And I truly think our greed and our and our our desire to be better is ingrained in us. We are, are taught those things. We are, I mean... From an early age, you are taught to be competitive. Fucking grading systems, and, and I'm a teacher, and I believe in grading system. I, I, I like the way it is, but even at the same time, I recognize how even that is inherently competitive, and it, it becomes about being better than the other. And kids recognize that a teacher, and this is there's nothing a teacher can ever really do about this, but they're going to recognize that a teacher treats the kid who gets an A better they're not going to recognize that it's because they're likely super hyperactive and it's really annoying to the teacher and the teacher if they focus on them they're going to snap yeah they don't recognize their own fault in that so they get taught if you're better you deserve to be treated better which is pissed off like we fight the man which fight which breeds into a lot of people not liking you know the educated it's ingrained and it takes a huge international conversation and a deep understanding that we have to make a an effort to change and to to watch out and to check people and i don't think it will happen in our lifetime i i i I just hope that we slowly plant the seeds and provide as much help as we can to to those who are hurt by the systems you know that are there you know we have a broken system a kid who's who's getting in a fight at school something is wrong like something is 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 broken for that kid and our culture our paradigm says well that's a kid who's not working hard enough for his education but we're okay with that because he's not working hard enough it's not it's not that he's not working hard enough it's that something is wrong but it's our current paradigm it, it's we're saying he's a broken kid he's not working hard enough and we say that it's fine to let him let the system fail him we say that it's fine for people to be for people who are unemployed to have horrible lives we say it is people can earn abject misery we are broken well, I don't disagree with you on that one, man. I I, I hope that things do change. I, I really – I'm rooting for your until, plan. Until, but until we all shift, it won't – it might get a little bit better. Yeah, I guess that's progress, man. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us uh, for, this, uh, for this little segment. Uh, yeah, I'm long-winded. You can just edit this all out. Uh, I'll see what I I'll, I'll see what I can do about it. Thank you, Jay. Thank you for doing this, man. Thank you for tying your time out. And, and let me know how California goes, dude. All right, we'll do, man. Bye. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. All right. Bye. Sure. <laughs> you feel me? Yeah. You feel me? I feel you.
But it's actually funny you mentioned that about Austin. Like I went to a concert last night with my uncle. Yeah, you did. Yeah, it yeah, was pretty you awesome. Did. You had a great time. I yeah, saw. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and it was. It's that's the thing about Austin that like I I can't still I still can't get my head around. It was at the Moody Theater, which I think like fits hundreds, maybe maybe even over a thousand people in that arena. Right? Mm-hmm. It was packed. It was packed, and I swear, like Tiff, I was. Once I was a once I thought about it, I started noticing it, and I swear, as far as I noticed, like hundreds of people at this place, not one black person. Listen, that is my struggle every time I leave my house. I'm just constantly aware of my skin color. It is fascinating. There's not and a I, lot of black people in this town, man. You know what? There are. I just don't know where, like, where they <laughs> go and what they where they do. congregate. I honestly don't. <laughs> Because once I started paying attention, I do, I noticed that I've seen more black people in the past year, I think, that I've actually started paying attention to it, like, yeah. overtly. Um, but, you know, I just, I don't, I don't know where they go, and I don't know what they do. But there are black people here in Austin, I just, I don't know where they're at. But to be fair, let me clarify, I don't leave my house often. <laughs> So that is probably like a strong indicator of, of why I probably don't see a lot of black people, but I do see a lot of people of the Caucasian persuasion, though. I see a lot of uh, black people when I'm out on Sixth. Um, oh no, I, we don't we don't go there. I, I mean, not by we, I mean I. Yeah. Because that place is hot mess central. Yeah, uh, for better or for worse, but it's uh, it really does like I was I was shocked by that. I mean, I know it's a Robert Plant, and he's you know. Led Zeppelin, heavy metal. I understand, like, a lot of people would probably... A lot of... That's probably not hot in the streets for black people and stuff like that, like, like historically speaking. But I was just... I was like, man, all these people and not any? Like, there was Latinos. There was yeah. white folk. No black people. No black people. Well, I mean, to be fair, I've also... You know, on the other end of the spectrum, I've gone to a Snoop Dogg concert mm-hmm. with... I forget the name of the... the I rock rough and stuff. Lady of Rage, which no one should remember because that was back in my era. And I also went to that concert and I was the only black person there outside of the people on the stage. And I was like, okay, so, okay, cool, cool. But everybody enjoys Snoop Dogg, so I'm not mad at that. But I'm also highly amused that there was like a bunch of like preppy white kids singing along to i rocked rough and stuff with my afro puff hey rock on with your bad self so i I also did something last night that i'm not too proud of as far as like i swore i would never do this but i was caught in the moment and i kind of did it anyway uh i felt i folded like a cheap lawn chair i was (laughs) i was at the bar and i was dancing and then this is america came on and i was like i'm not gonna be one of those white people who like dances to This Is America like it's just another song when really it's not just another song, but I did it anyway and I felt bad about it. I mean, you know It's catchy. You can dance to it. What can I what was I supposed okay, to do? I, can I can I I've never heard the song. Oh, it's really good. You would like it. I've never heard the song and I've never seen the video because what happened was the think pieces got to me before yeah. the video. Yeah, okay, and the that makes music sense. Got to me, and I just was like, "I'm tired. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm tired." As a black woman living in America, my constant mode is, "I'm tired." You, you know what I mean? 
And not only that, like, considering the week we just had as far as women are concerned, being a woman uh, in this country, you're just listen, like, I'm tired. Uh, mm, rough week. Rough week. It's, it's been a rough week, and, I, and I'm, and i listen, if that man doesn't get on there, it would be a miracle. Because those people do not care about anyone yeah. except for keeping that boys club all the way together. Yeah. We're like two shakes away from The Handmaid's Tale, for real. It's it's kind of interesting to watch it go down. I never watched The Handmaid's Tale because I really was like, I don't want to watch something and be depressed. <laughs> yeah, again, it's one of those situations I don't watch those shows because I'm like, mm, I'm tired. In the same way that I've never seen 12 Years a Slave. Because, never seen mm, it either. I, never, I did not I'm need tired. to know. I did not need to see that. I'm but aware. Yeah, I'm... I, my mom and I were just discussing it because we saw, I think... We were talking about it because I remember telling her, I was like, listen, I saw the clip of Lupita yeah. doing an excellent job begging and crying for her life over a piece of soap that was a quarter size. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my body is tired. Like, uh, I'm good. I don't I don't need that. I'm, I'm fine. I'm, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> anyway, you re- are you ready? <laughs> I feel like I should keep this B-roll like I want to like because this was a great conversation just of itself, but uh, we'll just have to we'll just have to expand all of these when I have you properly on the pod and not part of an ensemble. Okay. 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 All right. Let's uh, let's start for real this time. All right. Okay. Let me take a swig of water. Mm-hmm. Anyway. La 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 la. Okay. All right, everybody. I'm back now with uh, an actual first time guest. One of my good friends that actually lives in Austin, Tiffany Stewart, how are you doing this morning? I am good. Excited for this conversation. This should be interesting. Yes. Uh, it's your first time on the pod, and like I swear, like I told you off air, I, I swear that I will have you on your own standalone episode <laughs> because that will be three hours of greatness uh, that I'll have to whittle down to somehow to two hours of greatness. Uh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, um... Why don't you, uh, you know, very quickly before we start the questions, why don't you give a little background on yourself real quick, you know, just, in, I guess, the Cliff Notes version of your... The Cliff Notes version? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, yes, because I feel like context is probably due for the questions that I'm going to be answering here shortly. Yeah. Um, I am an immigrant mm-hmm. from the lovely country of Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone in my family is a physician or engineer or lawyer of some sort, as most immigrant families that I have come in contact with. Um, that's how we kind of roll. Education is key, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. We work hard. That's kind of what we do. I myself am an electrical engineer, but I work as a designer here in Austin. I am a black woman, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm a firm believer in, in self-education. Um, I enjoy reading. I enjoy learning about this fabulous country that I have moved to, and it's 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 been fascinating thus far. Okay. Yes. Uh, and you've lived just real quick. You've lived you lived in several major cities in this country. Like you you I'm always fascinated by like you you lived in New York. You lived in Chicago. You lived in L. A. Right. It, well, not Chicago. Oh my bad. I'm, I forgot. But I, so um, my port of entry was New York. I think actually Canada, and then we came down via New York. Um, legally, I might add. <laughs> I'm, and I'm only adding that as a caveat for the people who are going to be like, oh, well, I bet you came here. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
not that it makes a difference because I still had to pay them taxes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but just just throwing that out there. But no, I've lived in New York. I've lived in San Francisco. I've lived in Atlanta. I've lived in Mississippi. Hmm. So I've I've gotten a good sort of relatively decent overview of like the coast yeah as it were. and a very well-rounded understanding and you've lived in austin for a while too so about six years yeah okay so all right my first question uh mm-hmm. is what is america for you personally as you understand it from a historical or cultural perspective and how do you feel about america mm. okay so standpoint uh america is operating just the way it was intended to operate mm-hmm. uh based on the people that would i say founded i wouldn't say founded because i'm hoping that everyone is aware of how this country was sort of put together but okay okay we, we can go with founded i guess for the sake of it's, whatever yeah it's the more it's the it's the usual it's sort of um, yeah okay um so in that sense yes it's very much a continuation of the boys club ideal of i you know i'm taking over things i'm running things we're just trying to going to keep everything status quo to make sure that the people that look like me are always ahead of everyone else so in that in that sense yes um, having moved here from a country mm, that doesn't have systemic racism set up the way that America does, mm-hmm. I am constantly fascinated by the ways in which most Americans sort of deny that any of that is what actually happened. So you believe it's a denial. You don't think it's obliviousness. It, you think it's intentional. I mean, uh, it's a willing ignorance, right? Okay, because yeah. once you once you know better, you kind of have to do better, or at least in theory, in my mind. That, I mean, that's the way I sort of operate in terms of how I self-educate myself. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm learning about something and I'm like, oh, you know, I didn't know that pasta needed to be boiled to just undercooked, <laughs> a.k.a. al dente. But now that I know, <laughs> next time I make it, right? Yeah. I will make it al dente, but most people just don't. There's there's an interesting history of willful ignorance in the way that America operates, which I find fascinating. Because here's the other kicker, too. Being that I'm not from here, mm-hmm. I had to learn about how racism affects people that look like me in this country. Yeah, right? yeah I've, so I've heard that same, from... In the same way yeah. that, like, you they talk about how slavery is taught in in schools here and the history that you see um portrayed on television and the movies and like representation all of that good stuff i had to learn about that when i moved here because especially having when i moved to the south yeah that was interesting because to me all of the quote-unquote stereotypes involving involving uh fried chicken and watermelon and all that extra just all of that was foreign to me. I yeah. did not know what any of that, like the context was not there. I had to learn the hard way and I was like, oh, okay, got it, got it. You know, I, I had a guest on here. He's one of my good friends. He's, he's, he's a black gentleman. 
he he told me something I never was aware of, and obviously I I don't know if it was my responsibility to be to have this awareness or whether I was ever going to whether I ever could have independently become aware of this. But he said, you know, he as a black man, he said, in America, I'm 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 a black man. He he dropped he 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 used the N word. I'm not going to use I'm not going to repeat the N word on here. But uh, uh, and he goes, but when I leave the country, I'm not a black man. I'm, or I'm not a black American. I'm just an American. He said, like, I don't, I, don't, I don't go there and people are like – he's like, it's really weird to me in my own country that, like, there is that distinction. But um, across the world, outside of the U.S., there is no distinction. You're just American. What do you think about that? So that's interesting because I've traveled quite extensively and if the reaction ranges depending on where you go, okay. I find. So that's always an interesting thing, too, because, yes, I somehow Europeans are able to tell if you're a black American. And I don't know <laughs> what that is about, but it is hilarious to me. Yeah. So, for example, I went to Prague. Shout out to Prague. You were beautiful. You were great. You were wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found that everyone stared at me, which I don't know if that's a combination of my height because I'm about 5'11 or what, except I saw people from... African countries there mm-hmm. but they seemed to notice that I was the black American and they stared and it was very disconcerting and I've seen other black travelers go through this too where it's very much like a staring situation yeah. that you're very exotic and so like you know I people in Japan want to take pictures with you and you're like huh? <laughs> well, <laughs> was, this, was it ever an option that you are just fabulous darling? Um <laughs> <laughs> Not really, because they don't know me enough to really come to that. (laughs) It's more like walking down the street and people, like, trip over themselves in a weird way to sort of stare and make you feel other. And I remember asking, because I took a a photography course with a native Czech person that was there. And so I said, is this, I asked, like, is this normal? And he he literally said, he's like, we're not used to seeing a lot of black Americans here, and so we just sort of stare. Mm. And I said, huh, that's interesting, because there's like there's a lot of Africans there, but then on the other you know, spectrum, I go to Italy, and almost every Italian male is like, oh, you're a Nubian princess. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so we've gone from fetish- fetishization? What? Also, I'm not from any of those countries. <laughs> like, what do you Sure. So, Why not? so how do you feel about American? You know, as I mean, I don't mean this as a pejorative, but like as a non-American, how do you feel about this country? I think historically, we the country is what four hundred, five hundred years old. Well, it's colonization started about in the sixteen hundreds, but officially the country's like a little less than two hundred and fifty years old since seventeen seventy six. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Right. So this country is a baby. Still, relatively um, speaking, yes. Relatively speaking, like yeah, you don't you don't have a whole entire like. We're not we're not China with like right, thousands yeah, of history, thousands um, of years. Yeah, I think the country as a whole has sort of gotten to this tipping point situation where we need to really evaluate what has happened in the past mm-hmm. and sit with it for a minute and then figure out who we are as a country going forward mm-hmm. from from where from everything that's happening 
now. You know, I don't think those changes will happen in my lifetime or yeah. maybe my children's lifetime if I ever have any. Um, because, you know, the way that the system is set up, it's not necessarily set up for like a quick change. This is probably going to be something that happens over hundreds of years. Mm. I'm hoping less, but, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, so, yeah, I, you listen, these are some major growing pains that the country is going through and we just kind of have to figure out who we want to be because I think the the idea is that oh everyone is holding on to this um this idea that the quote-unquote founding fathers you know founded the country for the home of the free and the land of the brave but it's the home of the free and the land of the brave for people who are white white men especially white men especially and I'm always fascinated to see how women play into this because you know no one like we don't get any credence in this at all yeah i mean like i said we're the country's around 250 years old but women have only had the right to vote i think like 99 or 100 years like the women yeah suffrage act was like in 1919 or something like that people forget that some of the women a lot of women who started that women's voter movement were not they were only championing for white women to vote yeah for the negro quote-unquote right to vote so I love you, Susan B. Anthony, but sis, get your life together. Well, let me let, let me ask you this. Uh, I've been asking a lot of my guests this, and I would love to hear your answer because you touched on it on your little mini background was your, the way your family is all you know doctors, engineers, uh, lawyers, and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. As again, as a non-American uh, or as an immigrant, whichever I don't know which. Whichever. Yeah, whichever. I mean, I. I, I might as well be American at this point. I have a U.S. citizenship. Yeah. And as far as, you know, any police officers that pull me over, they're <laughs> not going to be like, oh, clearly you're Jamaican. We're yeah. just going to treat you different from the other black people that we normally pull over and give a hard time to. It's well, fine. let me ask. OK, my question is, do you believe in the American dream? Like like as it like by your understanding of what the American dream is and we can go into that if you want. But. Do you believe in the American dream? Like, does your do you by, by the example of your family? Do you believe it's real? Um. Yes and no. I find that the American dream is one of those those phrases that people use to sort of make you work harder and and and, and aspire to be these things, um, which is great because I feel like you know hard work is like a huge component of why most people actually propel themselves forward, whether it be for their career or what have you. Um, But it also tends to be very specific. Like America has this weird, like pull yourself up by the bootstrap type mentality. And they expect you to do that, but also don't want to look at um, the obstacles that they put in your way based on what you look like yeah and where you come from and stuff like that and where you come from right so even if like even if you just throw classism in there yeah um you know they don't really even like poor white people they still look down upon you because you're poor and you don't come from the right place and you don't know the right words to say yeah they dismiss you as like rednecks or trailer trash or something like that i mean the american dream is is cute (laughs) no No, it's just a funny way you describe it (laughs) right because like that's that's what we tell all the immigrants that came over even the italian americans that came over on the boat and the swedish that came over on the boat willingly yeah i might add (laughs) willingly came over on the 
yeah. And like that's the American dream is you come here and if you work hard, you will be able to achieve the things that you could never achieve in your home country. Yeah. But that does not apply to everybody mm-hmm. equally across the board. And it's to be fair, you know, I feel like people need to educate themselves on the difference between equality and equity. Yeah. Not the same thing. Please. Go if you are listening. Go down that rabbit hole on your own. Yeah, learn the difference between the two. It is very important. All right. How about uh, there is this term of American exceptionalism? Like mm-hmm. we are, like hell, the president is called the leader of the free world. Like there is this notion in our country that we are, if not sh- are great. We should be great, and be we great. should be the greatest. Like, or we are the greatest. Like, do you think that's a that comes from a place of arrogance and entitlement? A little bit, but I think it comes from a lot of nationalism. This idea that our no matter where you go, because I mean, I will tell you, Jamaica's the greatest country. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, pride in my country is wonderful and great. I also recognize, but that's the other side too, right? You have to be able to recognize when your country has flaws, yeah, and think that they could change to be better. Mm-hmm. And I think America doesn't do well with recognizing its flaws, and that's part of the problem. Hmm. Well, speaking of flaws, you kind of touched on it earlier as well. Uh, Moving on to the second question, Mm -hmm. do you think or do you think or feel uh, America is operating according to your understanding as it should be, or could it be better, or could it be worse? I would like for it to be better, but. Again, that's going to be a slow change rather than a fast change, which is rather unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but I think there, America is standing in its own way mm. in terms of being great. Because we, we have all these ideals that we want to achieve, but we're standing in our own way of getting there. And by, like, and by we... This is a land of the free and the yeah. home of the brave, but you're also not willing to acknowledge everyone who's being brave unless yeah. they're being brave in a way that you want them to be brave that's an excellent or point. you would you know want them to be you celebrate the land of the free but you only want them to be like you only celebrate the people who are expressing that freedom in a way that you want them to express it and by you you know who i mean yeah do you uh right. so, so you think it's the it's the, it all comes back to the people. Like we have people standing in the way of other people as far as like progress is concerned in this country. Yeah, there. Oh my gosh, there are so many times when I can think of people who have voted not in their own self interest yeah. simply because it's like, wait, so you're not out of spite? Like, yeah, the thing that you're right, like you're. But I mean, that's the way that the the system is really set up here, right? It's it's set up to sort of pit people against each other. Mm-hmm. Like there's this whole section of U.S. history where they don't want the poor whites and the black whites, or not the poor whites and the black whites, so the poor whites and the poor blacks to mm-hmm. band together because then that's like the, the demographic would be obviously voting out people who of the one percent who are overly you know rich yeah. or whatever and that's right? why there was union busting especially in the mm-hmm. early 20th century as far as like we don't want labor unified because then right. there are way more of them than there are of us and we need them mm-hmm. so that was right. again i'm right. i'm i'm secretly uh, people listening to the pod probably know this already but like i'm i'm, I'm secretly a marxist like i'm like I'm a lefty socialist pig. Like I just, or I, I really am. Like I really think it all does go back to like class warfare and like, yeah. like finite resources but, and like struggle over that. Things I'm also 
confused about, okay, so you don't want anyone to be held, like you're literally fighting against healthcare for everyone. Yeah. Because you don't want to pay for people that you feel don't deserve it. But my question is to you, or question to you is, who gets to decide who deserves to be healthy? I think it goes back to... Uh, why are you so pressed? Like, why are you... And I think that's because, you know, they have this... The myth that they set up is that only, like, these... Only these types of people cheat the system or... Yeah. ...are unhealthy or... And the reason why they're that way is because they're poor and they have, you know, the stigma that goes with all of that. So I find that that's... I'm just like, okay, but you... But those are your people, too. Like, that you're voting against the people down the street that look just like you i'm very confused i think that it goes back to there's two things going on here uh you know i i I, this is what i believe uh there's two things going on there's americans are really big on fairness americans are really big on competition as far as like people want things to be fair but they also think that if someone's winning someone else has to lose or vice versa like if i'm losing or if someone else is winning uh i'm losing like it's like yeah so, it's very much about me yeah and, and it's what i'm losing in the process yeah and it's like what i what i strive for and it might tie back to why i'm the least competitive least competitive person on the planet is because like why does someone have to lose why can't we all win that's like <laughs> that's that's just my i really i'm not uh, the only thing i'm actually on a side note the only thing i'm actually competitive on is ping pong that's the only thing like i get really? irrationally no, competitive, I'm competitive about. about everything i'm like no i will crush you absolutely see as long as i'm having fun i don't care like i i, I just want everyone to have a good time man and like that's the thing that confounds me is like like why like why why can't we all just win like why why does someone have to lose or why is it always like but i guess i mean that's that's cute that's nature though like either way it goes like listen the, the, the lion has to eat. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know <what> I'm <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, that baby deer just didn't make it that time. But I mean, there's also times when the deer completely makes off, and then it's like, well, now a lion cub has to die. Sad face. But I like to believe that we as humans, at least. Listen, I feel you. I, I want. I whenever I watch those nature documentaries, I'm like, can't everyone just live? <laughs> yeah, like can't we like move forward and rise above our natural instincts? But. I uh, think we could. Technically, as humans, we're supposed to have the higher thought plane. But if you're always in this competitive mode of, oh, that other person is getting more than me and I want what they have. And, and you know, the way that our society is set up, it's like no one ever wants you to be happy with what you have. You're always striving to get more or be more. And so you have this, I'm going to look down on you because you don't have what I have. And then I'm going to be jealous of you because you have what I don't have, but I want and feel like I deserve. Yeah. And then so everyone just is just pitted against each other. Meanwhile, I'm just like, okay, so um, I just want to play Nintendo. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I think that's going to do it for us. Unless you had anything else to add. I mean, it's, um, it was a great chat. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you for asking me. Um, I would just encourage everyone to really take the time to educate yourself about what's really happening around you. Um, And you will find most likely that that will um, require you to really sit with yourself and really ask yourself 
why you think the way that you think and about things that are happening around you. And to piggyback on that is not only educate yourself, but also, as I'm stressing with all of my guests, vote. Vote, yes, vote, please. vote. I, I beg of you. Like, that would be magical and wonderful. For those of you who don't want to vote, that's not how voting works. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's not how the American democratic system works. Not voting is also voting. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Also, voting for a third party, again, that's not how the Americans now. If you want to change how the American democratic system works, by all means, do that, but after you vote. Yeah. I mean, the only way you can change anything is if you vote. Like, you can't. If, if you vote. Yes. And I, I, I can't stress that enough. I, I, I've been saying it on with pretty much each of my guests. Like, I don't care who you vote for. Man, if you want to vote for the worst GOP or out there, fine. Fuck it. I mean, fuck you, but, like, that's your right. Go ahead. But also, just vote, guys. Can we just vote? Just vote. Mm-hmm. Get out there. Like, midterms are coming up. These are probably one of the biggest midterms in our history. Oh, absolutely. So, I'm, I'm, vote early so you can get it out of the way if you have to so you don't have to think about it, but just just vote. It, it's, it's free, but it, it's, it sucks yeah. because some people don't want to have to deal with it, but hey, man, there's that's just life, yeah. right? I would say check your check your state's voter registration laws because there are some states that are trying to do voter suppression or they're moving where your voting poll is going to be but not telling you until whenever or you know you have you have to register to vote a certain amount of time before you can yeah. check to make sure that there's nothing on your record so that you can actually legally vote and they're not going to come back and arrest you for voting wrongly which is I mean whatever but it's, Everyone's doing the absolute most, but either way, please go vote. Yeah, I mean, responsibility is a bitch sometimes, but it, it is responsibility. Adulting is hard. Adulting <laughs> is hard. That's a great note it to is. end on. Thank you, Tiffany. I really do appreciate it. And I really do appreciate You're you welcome. being so flexible this morning as far as your time. Uh, okay, fine. Call me anytime. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. I'll, uh, I'll catch you on later. Uh, I guess I'll see you when I see you, man. Yeah, man, for sure. All right, I'll, uh, oh, yeah, also, Daredevil, October 13th, or October 19th, one of those. <laughs> New- yes, 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 It looks great, man. It looks really good. It does. I gotta go see, well, I bought my tickets for Venom already. I'm gonna go see it because, I mean. That movie not? looks trash. Listen, I know that it looks trash, but I'm going to go see it anyway because I like both of the actors. It's, you know, yeah, it's Bane. <laughs> anyway. You know I know, I know. Anyway, I'll uh Tom I'll... Hardy. <laughs> Call me Tom Hardy if you're listening. Okay. <laughs> all right, Tiffany, I'll catch you later, alright? Okay, bye. Bye. everyone it's john i'm back and that's gonna do it for episode 47 this was a very challenging episode having this many guests on uh i'm not gonna pretend that it was easy or simple uh but again nonetheless i am eternally grateful to all my guests on part one and part two specifically mike steven alex jay and tiffany thank you all so much for doing this And in this last closing bit, I will leave you with what I felt obligated to do to 
give my own answers to the questions I asked each of my guests. I will not be repeating them because I'm sure everyone listening is sick and tired of me repeating the two questions to 10 different people, but I'll, I'll give a more concise answer to both questions. For me, America is about inclusivity. It is about growth. It is about progress. And I, I've been labeled a cynic in my life and a pessimist, but I honestly believe that I am a optimistic person. And I think that goes back to a few things in my life, but also it's because I'm an American. I think that America is the land of opportunity. It's getting harder and harder these days and more challenging, but I believe it does exist. It's not impossible, but it is implausible. That shouldn't discourage you if you want something, whether it be a small step in life or a gigantic step in life, I think that it is achievable in this country. And that's a great thing. That's something worth celebrating. But everyone that lives here carries this country's baggage. And that is that is a responsibility that too many, too many of us shirk, which is a shame. But like I've said several times on both part one and two, I do love this country. I love being an American. I feel like it is an honor and I feel like it is a privilege because I'm sure there are millions, maybe even billions of people on this planet who would willingly, who would eagerly trade with me to live here. So again, I love this country and I think it's capable of great things. I mean, it's capable of awful things and it has done some pretty awful things, but we may not get there the fastest, but we are headed in the right direction. And that's all I have to say. And thank you again for listening. Please like and subscribe. And I would really, like I said, love some feedback. You can reach me at my Facebook, John S. Flores. You can also reach the pod, fafpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter, at fafpodcast. Or you can hit me up on Twitter, at the John Flores. There are several John Floreses out there, but I'm the John Flores. And that's about as conceited as I get. Thank you again for listening and... We'll see you next week.